Hello and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. We have been enjoying our study here in Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, and we have been in chapter 11 for quite a while, probably longer in this chapter than any other chapter that we've studied in this letter, but I think it's called for and it's uh, justified because there's just so much to learn. There's a lot for me to learn, and I hope that through these lessons, the Lord Jesus is being glorified and exalted in your life, and that you're encouraged to live a life of faith, that we that through these lessons we've been able to learn the value, the preciousness, and uh, the importance of living this life of faith. It's why we were called. That's why we're here. That's essentially the reason why we were made to be believers, that we were redeemed and saved and not immediately taken home to be with the Lord. He wants us to live this life. And in living this life, we're going to learn more about who he is and become closer to him. And that's what that's the blessing of walking by faith is that we become closer to the Lord Jesus we learn and appreciate what he's done and accomplished for us in this salvation and even the wonders that await us in eternity. So um, last time uh, we left off in verse 31 where we learned about Rahab and Jericho and now we're going to pick up in verse 32. So if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews 11. And we're going to start in verse 32. And I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, through the verses. In verse 32 it says, and I'm reading from the King James Version. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, uh, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the, the aliens or the uh, strangers, 35, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing, better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So that's a lot. We haven't covered that much in one lesson, I, I don't think in this entire um study of uh, chapter 11, but I think it's really important for us to get the idea and the essence of what the writer is trying to get across 
by taking this as a complete uh, study. And he starts off in verse 32 saying, and what shall I say more? Or what shall I more say? You know, and it's it's the picture is of someone who's been giving an argument in a courtroom to sustain the validity or the truth of what they're saying by providing evidence. And I can't help but see the strong similarity in the life of Paul. Paul gave these kinds of presentations. If you study through Acts and you see how that he gave a presentation very similar to this to uh, King Agrippa. And I cannot help but see those similarities. And although it's not revealed to us who the writer is, I believe these people knew who the writer was. Uh, and I think we'll be able to see that even more clear later on. But I tend to believe by the style of writing, the the way the letter is presented, that it was probably Paul. I don't know that for sure, but it certainly seems like it. But not that's not important. What is important is that it's the word of God and the Lord has something for us to see. And I think the reason that if it was Paul that he didn't introduce himself as such is because he didn't want to take away from what was being said. He wanted to present this as a fellow laborer, a fellow servant, as someone who was ministered to by these very same things as a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he said. So whoever wrote this, we know was a Hebrew. And so he says, to sum up his argument, uh, and what shall I more say? And I think that's probably very appropriate because there has been a lot said. I mean, like I said, we've spent more time in this one uh, chapter than in, in any of the other chapters probably put together. Um, so it's important for us to see that, you know, he's closing his argument. He's given us all the doctrinal evidence in the beginning of Hebrews, uh, the letter, and then now giving us this evidence supported by the historical accounts. So the writer has presented a well-structured argument to the people who originally got this letter uh, to the Hebrew nation as a whole and to the church and to you and I, you know, that's what the, who this letter is directed to. And uh, we've been carefully taken from Genesis throughout the scripture uh, to prove the importance of faith and God's intent and will for the church, even in the very beginning. Because remember, the church consisted solely of Hebrews in the beginning before Paul and Barnabas went out and started ministering to the Gentiles. So um, this was a church and this was the message that was given to them. And it still holds true to us that in the beginning, God, that's how Genesis begins. And then we see how this is connected to this letter, which begins God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. So now we see that connection. The, this letter connects the old and the new to help us to see that God has a ultimate purpose, a big picture plan, not only for the 
uh, believers in the past, the believers present, and the believers in the future. That all of this is part of his plan. And we don't always understand completely what that is because we are just in one section of that uh, sundry times. And we don't always have the perspective to be able to understand. But that's why God has given us the instruction to live by faith and not by sight. We have to trust that his will is going to be done, that he is sovereign over all things and that he is delivering these things to us in our lives for a purpose and it's filtered through his love for us. That's so critical to get. If you don't get anything else from this letter, understand that God loves you. If you're his child, he loves you more than I am able to put into words. Um, the, the way that you learn the depth and the height and the breadth of that love is to walk by faith. And he really wants us to know him and his love on that level. So it's so important for us to be obedient and to walk by faith. And that's what the writer is telling us. Um, we've learned about the supremacy and superiority of Christ, how he's superior to angels, uh, that Jesus making himself known to man. He's revealed himself to man and delivering the full revelation of God the Father in his progressive ministry over time. Now it's come full circle, right? That's what he's telling us that, you know, God has a purpose and he's been progressively revealing the Father and through all these different methods. Uh, now he's we've come to the church age and we can see the, the meaningful purpose and plan of God as it relates to us that the same faith that was delivered unto, um, that was manifested in Abraham and throughout is the same faith that we have. Uh, but it's only now what we have is better. The writer has patiently taken us from Genesis to Exodus to Joshua and now Judges, Kings, Chronicles, and the Prophets. So rather than to continue in this, this argument of faith, he wants to bring it to what I would call a fitting close, right? Because uh, he says, you know, I could keep going. You know, I could continue to give you example after example. Uh, but he says, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and of the prophets. And it's true that we have a wealth of testimony uh, in the scriptures to encourage us to live this life of faith. The problem is, is that many of us don't avail ourselves of this help. You know, it's sad to have so much given to us and to try to live this Christian life without all the things that the Lord has provided for us. Uh, the whole armor of God, uh, his word, the understanding of his word through study and the understanding of who he is and 
the love that he has for us. All of that is found in scripture. And so many believers just don't put forth the effort to learn the word or to study. And, and it's sad. It's unfortunate. But those of us who are studying, you know, those of us who are diligently seeking the Lord Jesus in his word, we, we have great, great blessing and great encouragement. So if you're unfamiliar with these men that were listed, you know, Barak, Jephthah, Gideon, I strongly encourage you to read about them in the Old Testament. But until then, we're going to accept this little summary that the writer offers us. In verse 33, he says, who through faith, speaking of these people, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Uh, verse 34, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, wax of valiant in fight, turn to flight armies of the aliens or strangers. So we see these great accomplishments that were done by these people that are listed. And it they were given to us for our encouragement, our instruction, so that we can make application to our current day lives. Because God knows we need that. He knew that we were going to need that in this church age and he's made provision for it. But, you know, we have a responsibility to prioritize God. He said, seek me first. That should be our priority always. We have to organize our lives in such a way that God is always before us. Right? If we do that, then walking by faith becomes a lot easier to do. Because walking by faith is difficult. We're, it's, it's a war. We have an internal warfare going on between our old nature and the new nature that God has given us. We have an external warfare going on in that we are walking by faith in a faithless world. Uh, the world is the enemy of faith. And so we have to be equipped and um, make a stand. And by walking by faith, we see these people in the past that are recorded in the Old Testament. Uh, we can learn from the lives of people like Samson and David and the prophets. We can learn things that will allow us to um, accomplish the same things they did. God will accomplish those things in our lives. He's promised to do it. He's faithful to do it. He's able to do it. And faith is the avenue by which we're able to see God's work in our lives. It's very important for us to, to walk by faith. Um, in verse 35, it says, Women receive their dead raised to life again. And there's scriptures in the Old Testament that speak of the widow whose son was raised back to, to life. And you have to understand if you're a widow in the Old Testament times, you were probably one of the most vulnerable people on the planet. Widows and orphans were the most vulnerable people on the planet. And they and today they're probably the same. They're pretty vulnerable, widows and orphans, because they don't have anybody. They don't have anybody to look out for them on this earth. So for a, this woman, that widow in the Old Testament, to receive her son back, that meant 
far more than just receiving her son who she loved. It, it's, it, it, it was protection. It was comfort. It was a lot of things that 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 son provided. And through faith, through her faith, through her trusting her life to God, God rewards that. And he does these things. But it was not just for her. It was also for us. Um, in the above, we see the the list that, you know, through 33, 34, we see the testimony of faith. And, you know, it's soul stirring how that these things were accomplished through faith. The opposite of what was expected happened. You know, people were dead. God brought them back to life. Um, kingdoms were subdued by very small numbers where anybody else would look at that and say there's no way they have a chance. But but through faith, they were able to accomplish these things. Through faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab the, the harlot was saved. These things are reflections of what faith can do in contrast to what is expected. Uh, it's the opposite of what we would naturally expect to happen. But that's what's important to understand is that faith is the opposite to the natural. Faith is the opposite to the natural. It's the opposite to the natural man. It's the opposite to the natural thought. It's the opposite to the natural world. Faith is the opposite to those things. The natural world is self-centered and it's self-focused. That's what the natural man is. That's what the world promotes. You know, look out for number one. Take care of yourself first. That's the natural. But faith says, put the Lord Jesus first and to rely on the spiritual things and not the natural, not on just what you see. Rely, walk by faith, not by your natural sight. See, that's what faith is. And that's the understanding um, and the outcomes of, of walking by faith. It's very important to understand those basic principles when it comes to walking by faith. What faith is. Faith is, in essence, the true victory over the world, the flesh and the devil. Those are our three enemies. And by faith, we have victory over those enemies. And that's the only way we can have victory is through faith. Faith is our shield. And we're soldiers in a foreign land that's been established. This is not our home. But we're soldiers here. We're fighting a fight. We are uh, soldiers for God. And it's important for us to understand that we don't have weapons um, to uh, strike out. We have a shield of faith to protect us. And by walking by faith, trusting the Lord, being obedient to his word, we're protected. It's a full body shield. It protects our entire body. So we seek a better place. You know, this is not our home. This is not where we find our uh, comfort. Uh, this is not where we find our belonging. Because the more we walk by faith, 
the less we will be in alignment with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Um, that's why we're told by faith, we we press onwards towards that which we've been called to. We've been called to this higher calling. Well, higher in what way? Higher than the natural. Higher than this universe that we live in. It, we've been called to a higher place beyond this universe. That's where Christ is. And that's where he has made us a home. Um, and we know the name of that home. It's called New Jerusalem. And in New Jerusalem, there are many dwelling places. Because each of us have a dwelling place that belongs to us. Where we can finally feel like we belong. Where we're going to have that peace and that settled comfort of Christ. That surpasses all of the understanding. That's what's awaiting us. So faith in verses 33 to the first part of verse 35 can be described as the outward and visible exploits of faith. So faith should have a noticeable presence in the life of a believer. And we can see that in these believers that of the past. And the faith in the lives of God's people is recorded to encourage us in battle. Because we have this battle daily, you know, and we need to have faith as um, an example to us. We need to understand, well, how is faith applied? What is the value of faith? And we see that in the lives of these people, as the writer has described in detail. So if you're a believer, then you are called to this warfare. And it's probably not the way you've thought of your salvation that you were called to a warfare, but we have. There's a spiritual war that's going on right now beyond our sight. Um, Daniel described that and uh, revealed that. And we become a part of that warfare once the Lord Jesus saves us and gives us uh, life in Christ. We become a spiritual being and we have God the Holy Spirit in us and we become a part of that fight. And it's important for us to be successful. The only way we can be is through walking by faith, looking to Jesus to lead and guide us through the battlefield. And he's equipped us with armor. That's the whole armor of God as described in Ephesians chapter six and indwelled us with God, the Holy Spirit. You know, the power of God in creation is in us. So we have armor and we have power. So we are equipped. The, the important things is to believe God and to uh, walk by faith. We have faith to accomplish the work. God has given us a purpose. He has a plan for each of us. And we should be eagerly seeking out his will to know what it is he wants us to do. Because there's there's benefits and blessings to walking by faith. That's that's what's being laid out to us. Wherever this lesson find, finds you, wherever you're, you know, studying or hearing this, uh, that's the line that you have to hold. That's the field that you need to secure, and the battlefield that you operate off of. And you have to understand that that's where we live. That's our purpose in life is to serve the Lord Jesus in that way 
And it's a great honor and a privilege for us to, to be able to serve in that way. And we do it by faith. By the same faith that our fellow soldiers who have gone before us, that's the same faith that we must live by. We have to see um, the witness of faith and how it overcame these lions, quenched these fires, and how um, those who were dead in trespasses and sins were given new life in Christ. That's the picture that we're given uh, here in these people, in these lives, that these same things that were accomplished in their lives through faith can be accomplished in our lives as well. In verse 35, in the first part, it says, women receive their dead raised to life again. And it made me think, you know, there may be someone listening who's a mother or wife and they're suffering in their soul because they see their loved ones who are unsaved uh, making poor choices, choices that you know will lead to their hurt. And that's a struggle and you feel helpless and you want to do something to try to, to, you know, make them to see the Lord Jesus Christ and, and they just don't want to hear it. You know, they may even mock you and say, you know, that's ridiculous that you even believe that. Well, what can you do in a situation like that? Well, the key is to walk by faith. Because you, the Lord will use your faith, your testimony of faith, the witness of your faith to minister to them in their lives. And he just may use that to save their souls. You may not see it. You may not be around to see that. But God is faithful to do his will, not because of us, but even in spite of us. So what a blessing it would be to be able to... Uh, be a part of the salvation of your loved ones through just walking by faith, just being obedient to God, looking to him and trusting him for whatever your needs are. Um, that's definitely uh, being exemplified here. That's definitely something that the word of God is speaking into our lives uh, through this verse. But also in verse 35, we see something else. It says, and others. And I think we need to spend a little time talking about the others because, you know, it's really encouraging uh, to and we get so caught up in the accounts of these great victories of these faithful people that are listed and these great acts and this wit witness of faith of Moses and how he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. But instead, he um, aligned himself with Christ and the reproach that is associated with Christ. Um, that's so encouraging and how that, you know, he did these great things. The Red Sea was parted and they walked across on dry land. That's super encouraging. It really encourages us when we're facing difficult trials because of our faith, because of our obedience. Um, but we need to understand that there's another side to walking by faith. The side that's displayed by these others where it says in verse 35 and others um 
A lot of people go around, and I think it's important to bring this out right now. There's a lot of people out there, dishonest men and women, false teachers, who built a fortune on preaching, preaching what they call a prosperity gospel. Okay, in verses like this, I think uh, fly in the face of those kind of false uh, teachings. Those uh, these false teachers, they say that. You know, once you're a child of God, everything goes great. He only wants prosperity in your life. And you just need to follow these simple steps. And God wants to bless you with all the wonderful things that this world has to offer. Well, that's a lie. God has never, ever uh, said anything to the like. In fact, he says just the opposite is true. The truth is that the Prosperity in this life is never promised or even valued by God. God has never placed a value on prosperity in this life. God has always pointed us to the life to come, to eternity. He says, you know, why would you store up treasure here where thieves and moths can destroy it? He says, store your treasure in heaven, right, where it's yours for eternity, you know. Um, that's, that's where he, he directs us to do, uh, that's the direction that he puts our eyes is above and not on the world below. God is a spirit and his priority for his people is always spiritual growth and well-being. God says our prosperity is our spiritual growth and our spiritual well-being. That's where our prosperity is. That's where our value should be. And that's the walk of faith. We're soldiers on a battlefield. And he provides us with everything we need to accomplish his will. No soldier is concerned with getting rich, right? Or the comfort of life. Soldiers are concerned with fighting battles and taking stands. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what this life is for us. It's, it's a battle. We're on the battlefield. We're soldiers and we need to support one another and encourage one another uh, even more so as we see the day approaching. Just in case someone says that, you know, I'm being too harsh. Let's just look at those that are described as others here in verse 35. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 35. It says, others were tortured. So, you know, this is the fact of the matter. They were tortured. Um, that is the experience of these people who were walking by faith. Their faith led them into a situation where they were tortured. The fact is, is that the world is no friend of grace. We have to know that, that if you're on a battlefield, the worst thing you could do is not know you're on a battlefield. Okay. So first you have to understand you are on a battlefield and that these others who are on the battlefield, just like you were led by faith to be tortured, but it was not without purpose. God doesn't do anything without a purpose. He has a purpose in everything that he brings in our lives and we must trust him in spite of the situation. It may not look good, it may not feel good. Torture does not feel good. It may not taste good. But because God brought it into our lives, it's good for us. And this is a very difficult thing 
to receive and to learn. And I think that's why the writer has given us all of this encouragement ahead of this, because he knows that, you know what? There's that positive side where the lion's mouth is shut. And then there's this side, others. Um, it's just the world that we live in. Uh, the only way you can have fellowship with this world and to escape um, their hatred is to have fellowship with them in dark deeds. That's what they want. That's their, that comforts them. But when we take a stand by faith and live in the light that is the Lord Jesus Christ, well, the world hates that. They don't want light shined on them. They're just like roaches. You turn the light on and they go scurrying. They love the darkness because their deeds are evil. And so we uh, expose those deeds as evil just by living by faith. And you will receive um, hatred as a result of that. But that's okay. They hated the Lord Jesus. They're going to hate us. That's what he told us. And he's given us everything we need to stand. He's given us the whole armor of God, the shield of faith, uh, the sword of the spirit, uh, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, having our loins girded with the preparation um, and our feet shod with the uh, gospel of peace. So it's important for, for us that we have on this whole armor and that we understand that we have to put it on and keep it on every day. And it's not comfortable. You know, we can't just relax and hang out with, you know, everybody and just, you know, joke around because, you know, we have on this armor. It's uncomfortable and it's awkward for them. And it can be a little uncomfortable and awkward for us. But guess what? We have to come to a place where we're comfortable in that armor, that we understand the value of it, and that we walk in the light of the Lord Jesus and his truth. And we as believers are called to a life that will result in suffering. We all are going to suffer something. We have to. It's just the nature of faith versus the natural. They're in opposition. The war between the spirit and the flesh, they're in opposition. So there's going to be some suffering involved. The What extreme did that suffering goes to? Well, that's up to the Lord Jesus and what he knows is best for us. And uh, for some, the extreme will be torture. We've seen that in the past and it's probably going on right now somewhere. Someone is suffering. Uh, you may not be faced with such extreme things, but somewhere there's a believer, maybe a Christian child. They're in the home of somebody that's abusing them. Or they live in a land or part of the world where Christians are killed, where it's illegal to be Christians and they're persecuted unto death. It's important for us to know that this is a part of a life of faith. And that if we're not um, suffering these things to that degree, that's, that there are believers, brothers and sisters, righteous ones that have been called by God and that are beloved by him 
and uh, manifesting his love to others, they're suffering these things. And we need to pray for them. We need to remember to pray for them, for these others. No names, but they're there. They exist. It's happened in the past. It's happening now. We know from the scripture it's going to happen in the future. It's just a part of being on this planet, being in living this life and the warfare and the call that we've been called to. Uh, verse 35, it says, And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. So what does that mean? That they were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Now, some people will read into this that, oh, you know, poor me and I'm just suffering and I'm just going to suffer, you know, for, if I'm going to suffer for God, because, you know, that'd be, that's better. That's better for me. You know, that doesn't make sense. And God doesn't do anything that doesn't make sense, right? God is an intelligent being who has created all things and he does not call people to suffer just to suffer. There's a reason for it. So why is it that these others are being tortured, not accepting deliverance? You know, I thought about that and I prayed about it and asked the Lord, well, why would that be? Well, this means that these others saw a spiritual value in where the Lord had them. Uh, they, by faith, saw past the torture and they were able to see how the process even though extreme, was making them to grow closer to the Lord Jesus. And they, thereby obtaining a reward in the millennial kingdom with Christ. So we're talking about Old Testament saints who were tortured. And they could see in that process that there was something God was doing that was greater than just the torture. They could see how that they were, were bring, being brought closer to God and his personality and his person was being reflected in them through this process and how they responded to this suffering. And it's the same thing is true for us. We have to understand that our response in faith to suffering works in us a um, greater value, a, a growth, a, a closer walk to God and to the Lord Jesus than we would have otherwise. That's the purpose or one of the purposes of God bringing these things into our lives. And these people in the Old Testament saw that. They knew that, hey, by doing going through this suffering, the things that I'm suffering as a prophet as I go and I proclaim and I preach to these people and they treat me poorly and they, they don't listen, but I continue on. Why? Because by doing so, I am being obedient to God and God is working something in me. He's making me to see and to grow and to know him in a way that I wouldn't know otherwise. And they saw that as uh, a benefit that there was going to be a better resurrection, better in the sense that they would be better. 
because they would know him more. They would have a closer relationship to to him even in the resurrection. Because you have to understand the Old Testament saints, they look forward to the resurrection into the millennial kingdom. They they that's why they said, "Hey, uh I want to be buried in a certain place." Joseph said, "Don't leave my bones in Egypt because when the Lord Jesus comes back to this earth, he's going to resurrect my body. My soul never dies. My soul has never died. It's always existed. But he's going to resurrect my body and I want my body to be with him when uh I'm resurrected. I want I want my body to be with him when I'm resurrected. And he's coming back to uh Israel and I want my body in Israel. And so that was their hope and that hope is what encouraged them to suffer uh, even these, this torture, these, these horrible things. Um, in verse 36, um, it says, and others had trials of mockings. Now here we're going to see more about the others. Others had trials of mockings. Well, that's verbal assaults, right? That's what mockings are. When people verbally assault your ability or even your soundness of being, you know, you're, you're one of those uh, crazy people that have taken this too far, whatever. That's what verbal assaults are. That's the mockings that, that these people uh, suffered. And I think about Noah. The entire world mocked him. You know, he said it was going to rain. They're like, it had never rained to that point. What is rain, Noah? Why are you building this ark? This is ridiculous. And the whole world knew about what he was doing and they mocked him. But in faith, he was obedient to God and continued on. And it says, and in scourgings, well, that's a physical assault. So that's what we're talking about, the torture, uh, the people who were physically assaulted because of their stand, because of uh, just being obedient to God, doing what God says to do. Uh, many of the prophets were physically assaulted. And it says, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. And I think about Jeremiah, you know, and the things that he suffered being thrown in prison and uh, because of what he preached, because he preached the truth and he was obedient to God in his ministry. So th these things happened in the past to those who walk by faith. They'll happen now. They're happening right now. And they're going to happen in the future. It is part of being in this world that is dominated by sin. When you're a light in a dark place, you shine and you draw attention. And that's why it's important for us to keep looking to the Lord as we walk by faith. Um, it says in bonds and imprisonment. Now, you may not be in prison. You may be listening to this and you are in prison. Um, but you may not be in a physical prison, but are you in a place that you would rather not be? Has God bound you maybe to a job that you don't want to be at a person that you don't want to be with or a place uh, that you wouldn't want to be that he's placed you there for a reason and you want to be delivered. You, you want to get away from those things, uh, for whatever reason. Well, you have to know that faith is the key to understanding why you're in that situation. 
whatever you look when you look around and you try to figure out well why is this happening you're not going to figure it out the key is to understand that god has placed you where you are for a reason and look to him for understanding so that you'll know what it is that he wants to teach you and to show you in that situation because he is teaching and he is wanting to show you something it's and when you walk by faith your eyes are open to see what it is that he has uh, to show you. The same thing is true for all believers. We understand what he gives us to understand. And if we have our eyes on him, we have peace, a peace that surpasses understanding. So even if we don't understand it, we can have peace in any situation if we just look to him. It's very important. Faith will give us access to all that we need spiritually and allows us to fulfill the will of God in our lives. Um, that's, that's why we're here. He has a specific um, desire for us and we have a role to play in this huge plan. And it's important for us to know that God loves us and that he only brings things into our lives out of love, even no matter what it looks like to us. And it's hard. And that's why it's, these people are referred to as others, because these others are suffering, extreme suffering. But God has extreme grace to counter that. And it's a grace that you can only know when you go through that suffering. I can't describe what that grace is because that grace is unique to the individual in the situation that they're suffering. But I can tell you that God has an abundance of it for us. And we have to draw comfort and encouragement from that, from knowing that because his word tells us that. Uh, in verse 37, we learn more about these others. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tried, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. This is the prosperous life of the believer. So whenever you hear those false teachers talking about the prosperity gospel and how God wants all these wonderful things for your lives. Compare that to the truth of the word. That God has a lot of things for our, life, for our lives. And yes, they're good. They're good because he brings them to us and he has a purpose for them. But it has nothing to do with being wealthy. It has nothing to do with having material things. It has everything to do with your spiritual life and your connection to the Lord Jesus. In verse 38, it says of these others of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, dens and caves of the earth. Um, this is this is the life of faith. This is an aspect of walking by faith. And some of us are going to be called to face these kinds of trials. Some of us are being called to face these trials right now. You know, and we have to understand that this is part of 
walking by faith. And in spite of the temptation to think otherwise, we have to be encouraged to remind ourselves that the Lord Jesus loves us and that all of these things are filtered through his love. That apart from his love, it would be far worse. So God will only allow things that have come to things to come into our lives that are needed. And he would only allow the amount of those things that are needed. He would never give us more or less because he knows the intended outcome and the need. And he's providing for that need. He has a big picture view and we only have a narrow view. So let's not lean on our own understanding, right? Let's not lean on our sight, but through faith, let's trust that he is going to give us only what we need, right? He's only going to allow things to come into our lives that are needed. And he's, there, he's going to use those things to create in us a strength and a growth, a spiritual growth that will allow us to do exploits, to glorify him, to glorify him in a way that we couldn't otherwise. And, you know, it talked about how that, you know, the world's not worthy of these others, these believers, and how that they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. It made me think of the Lord Jesus. I mean, that's exactly what he said was the, the characteristic of his life. In Luke 9, 58, he said, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has not where to lay his head. Can you imagine? I mean, yes, we have had people who have wandered in the deserts and lived... Um, a destitute life in the past. We have people right now that I'm sure that you drive down the freeway as you go to work and in different places you see them uh, who have nothing, who are on the side of the road begging, uh, who their entire life is being pushed around in a cart. Um, I feel like that in the times that we live now, that's more common than it even was before. Um, you go to somewhere like Los Angeles, you know, in California, and you'll see these entire uh, cardboard box cities uh, of people who have nothing, who um, are living outside, destitute. Uh, and, you know, your heart goes out to them and you, you want to do something. You want to try to help. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But think about the fact that the same thing was true for the Lord Jesus. That he was homeless and he had nowhere to lay his head. And he ministered in spite of that. He trusted the Father for everything. And he was our example to show us what was needed to accomplish this this life of faith and he exemplified that for us you know we see people that have these large homes and 
nice some of us have these really nice cars and we think wow you know god must really be blessing them but the reality is that those who are the most pleasing to him have the least and are considered the least we see that over and over as a principle in scripture jesus was homeless and he's the pattern of the beloved of the father uh, remember these others as you lay your head on your pillow in your bed and you're, you know, comfortable and protected, don't forget that we have brothers and sisters that are suffering, that are living a different life of faith, these others. And if you have a home in this life, uh, God has given you more than he gave himself during his ministry. Um, you don't have a home will know that you're closer to Christ because of it in both cases we walk by faith so this so this is the conclusion of the argument that the writer is given about faith this is how he has decided to close the argument and now we get his summary statements in the next two verses in verse 39 and all these, speaking of the Old Testament believers, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So that's not very positive. So we went through all this for you to tell us that all of these, they received a good report, meaning, you know, we're talking about them. We're, they're recorded in scripture and their, their report is good. You know, well done. And we can see that they did well, and it was through faith. But then, and that sounds good, but then he says, they obtained a good report through faith, but they received not the promise. So what is the promise that he's talking about? Because we saw earlier in the verses that he, they talked about how through faith they received promises, but this is the promise, the promise given to Abraham, the promise of the land, the seed, and the blessing. Um, they didn't receive this promise. These Old Testament saints died without seeing the promise of the millennial kingdom. That they're the thing that they hope for, why they want this resurrection that they look forward to, this better resurrection that they work towards. They didn't receive it. They died without receiving it. They lived a life of hoping for something that they never received. So it's kind of an odd way to end this argument, right? We want to encourage people, but that seems a little discouraging. But wait, there's more. So you ask, you know, why? Why would they live this life of faith? And some of them do these really great things in life and others suffer so much only not to receive the promise. That's a little disheartening. Well, the answer to the question, I think, is in verse 40. The answer is God. That's what it starts with. That's what we started with in the beginning of this book. That's what uh, Genesis starts with. And every answer is always going to start with God. That's where we need to be looking. Faith tells us to start and look to God because that's where we get our answers from. The will of God will also, the sovereign will of God, I should say, will always be the answer to everything. God is sovereign and his will will be done. You don't have to understand it. 
You just have to know that he is in charge and that what he's doing is good. God having provided some better things for us. That's what it says. God having provided some better things for us. So they didn't receive it. Why? Because God provided better things for us. The Old Testament saints have not received the land, the seed, and the blessing, the millennial kingdom, the better resurrection that they hope for. None of that has come about yet. Why? Because God provided some better things for us. Well, who is the us? The us is the church age saints. Remember it's diverse times and sundry ways? Well, in this last age, that's in this age that we're in, this last age, the church has been revealed. And uh, the day of Pentecost was a revelation of the church age, the beginning of the church age. And now we continue in that age. And on our behalf, God had better things for us than even those Old Testament saints. And, and he had a purpose. And the reason why they haven't received those things is because of the church. If you're impressed with the love of God displayed to these people uh, that we've been studying about, how God heard the blood of Abel, how he warned and protected Moses and his family, how he spared the harlot Rahab and just destroyed everybody else, man, woman, child, and beast in that city, how he described David as a man after his own heart, uh, how he describes the nation Israel, which Israel means fighter for God, uh, as the apple of his eye. If you're impressed with how God has manifested and proven his love for these people, know this. God has provided better things for us. So if he loves them and loved them, then how much does he love us that he would provide better things for us? Not because we deserve better things. Um... You know, we don't, but because he wants to manifest his, the fullness of his love, his grace, and bestow it upon us, the church. He has better things for us. That's what this entire letter is about. How that we, the church, have better things. Uh, we have a list of better things. Uh, we don't go to priests like they did. We've been made a royal priesthood. Uh, we have Jesus Christ as our advocate, and he continues to minister on our behalf to cleanse us, the very Lamb of God. He is our high priest. Um, we're so precious to Jesus that he won't allow these Old Testament saints to receive the promise until all of the church-age church saints are brought into his family. He will not allow any of this to happen until all of the saints in the church age have been saved. That's how much he loves us. That's the better things that he has for us. It says in verse 40, that they without us should not be made perfect or complete. So they can't receive the full blessing of all the promises that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob received until the church age has been completed to all of the church 
has been called and redeemed and saved. Uh, just think about that. The, the way it's going to work, the order that we've been given in Scripture is after the rapture, the rapture is the end of the church age. Once the last person in the church age is destined to be saved is saved, then the rapture occurs. Uh, then comes, then all of the church is taken out of the earth, right? And taken to the new Jerusalem. Uh, and then comes the seven-year tribulation. The tribulation starts. It's over the entire earth. And then at the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes back to judge the earth and to establish his kingdom himself with his feet standing on the Mount of Olives. Just like they said in Acts, that just like you saw him descend, uh, ascend into heaven, he's going to come back uh, and his feet will be on the Mount of Olives and he will judge the sin of the earth at that time and he will issue in um, the thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus on the earth, the millennial kingdom. And um, that's one of, it's all through scripture. It's all through the Old Testament because that's the hope of the, the saints of the Old Testament was the millennial kingdom. But here's one verse in particular in Isaiah um, chapter 11, verse 10. Um, and it says, and in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for a sign of the people uh, to it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. So during the time of the millennial kingdom, there will be a root of Jesse. Well, of course, that's uh, someone in the line of David, but he didn't say uh, a root of David. He said a root of Jesse because he, Jesse was the, the, the poor man. He was the, the, the nobody that God had chosen to have the Lord Jesus be in the line of. And so it'll be this one, this one who identifies with the, the common man, uh, the Lord Jesus. He's the one that's going to come as a sign to the people. And he'll be somebody, someone they can see. He will reign in this kingdom. And it says, uh, to this sign, the Gentiles will seek. Well, because in that time, the Gentiles are going to uh, go up to Jerusalem to worship because Jerusalem at that time in the millennial kingdom, the resurrected saints and the saints that come out of the tribulation period, they're all going to represent Christ to the Gentiles. And um, it's going to be a glorious uh, rest. That's what it says. And his rest shall be glorious. So it's going to be a glorious time because they will receive the promise of the the land, the seed, and the blessing. And this is this is coming. That's what the word says. And that's when they receive it. But they will not receive it until the fullness of the church age has happened. Uh, before this is to occur, God has willed that his bride, the church, will be made complete. Uh, he has purchased the church with his body and was pierced and forever bound to her. We are his bride, and Jesus has bound us up together with all the saints of all the ages um, that will be made perfect in him. All of us are to be made perfect in him, but he has a, a plan and a purpose, and it's being worked out. And those of us who are alive today 
are part of that plan and purpose. And we have to understand that the faith that we walk in is a testimony and a testament to him and his glory. And we're being made a part of that uh, through faith. So let us live by faith knowing that we have this great love, the love that this great love that he loves us with, right? Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. So um, as you grow in faith, it's going to encourage you in your hope. And your hope is going to encourage your faith. And the two together illuminate the love of the Lord Jesus. And it's going to go out of you and it's going to be able to be felt. It'll be seen in your life. People will feel it. And to those who are the called, they'll be drawn to you. Those who are not, it's going to be repulsive to them. But either way, we're to walk by faith. And we're to live in that love that the Lord Jesus has loved us with. And we're to love one another. And that's why we have to remember these others. Let's not forget these others. Um, they're suffering for the Lord Jesus. Not because they did wrong, but because they love him. And they're being obedient to him. And a part of that is suffering, resulting in suffering. So let us um, utilize the gifts that we've been giving, uh, believer priest gifts, and let's pray for those people, those others, that the Lord would extend them special grace and that he would be glorified in their lives and that they would receive special blessing and joy in their service. Um, let's close. Father, thank you for the study of your word. Thank you for the others. Thank you for how that you have used men, women, children throughout the ages to glorify you in a very special way. And Father, I pray that that would encourage us to walk by faith and not by sight. That we would understand that this walk of faith, the obedience to you, uh, works out wonderful things and helps us to um, become closer to you and to see and know your love in a way that we couldn't otherwise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.